stress isn't a part of you. It's not something to be managed. It's we get stressful because we don't know how to handle the very sophisticated machine that we have. This mind, this body, we don't know how to handle it. So when things enter and leave, and we don't know how to handle it, it becomes stressful for us. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. It's called the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. And it's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A-squared. And today we have a powerful conversation, something that affects all of our lives, something that I know has affected mine a lot and Anwar's, and it's just a big component. And that component is called stress. We're going to talk about stress, a bit of stress management, get into a little nitty gritty of why we feel so stressed and what we do to help ease our own stress levels. But before we do that, as always, you know what time it is. Mood check. Hey, yo, hey. coach. Wow, what's going on, man? What's shaking, what's shaking? What's shaking, man? How you doing today? I'm great, man. I am great. I am great. I feel my mood. Mood. My mood. If I had to put it in one word, my mood would be peaceful. 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 Yeah, okay. peaceful. I, f- I feel like, you know, we're talking about stress today and I can't lie that I have felt stress in this week, but I feel like I have felt stress in a peaceful way. And I know that sounds contradicting, um, but I know it's going to be an interesting component of the conversation because I think we have some pretty powerful perspectives on what stress is and the purpose of stress and what it can do for us rather than what it does against us or to us. And so navigating my week there's been a lot but i feel like my growth journey has put me in in such a powerful position where i'm able to find the peace amongst it all uh and find the um just that that the the beauty of it all even though it's been tough uh, and it has been more uh, a bit more challenging because i'm back in the workforce and i'm doing a lot of different things here and there and we got this podcast still running and we got i got work and i got coaching and it there's a lot and i have to obviously figure out where i'm living in this city still so there's so many components that are playing in my head and yet i don't feel like i am being taken out or that it's been too much or that you know I can't handle it I feel very capable so maybe capable is my mood capable and peaceful that's how I'm feeling nice that's a, I mean that's a that's a hell of a combination yeah <laughs> <laughs> to, to feel peaceful and capable I mean that's that's a very powerful position to be in that's awesome I'm happy for you that's great um, thanks brother how's your mood 
being, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite say I am peaceful, um, but I am definitely, I'm definitely good. I definitely feel great. I feel like the, the areas that I'm in right now are areas that I feel very connected to and very committed to, you know, and that is the challenges that come with those spaces are the challenges, you know, they, they will always be there. It's always, you know, it's always going to be an uphill battle. We're humans. We always want more. We want the next level. We want to, we're in this game of life. And if you've been on level four for too long, you get antsy, you want to get to level five. That's just how it goes. You know, we, we, we are creatures of growth and creatures of progression, but the, the inconsistency of hopping from one idea to another and constantly being at level one of a bunch of different spaces is very exhausting and tiring. And I think that that's the space that, you know, in my 30 year life, I found myself just constantly finding new areas that I want to be in. Like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? Do I want to do that? And, you know, the last little bit has been a very, um, it's been the most committed I've been to the spaces that I've chosen, you know, and not really getting off the beaten path. And it's, it's, it's super, it's super grounding and powerful to realize this is what I want to do. And not even like a permanent thing, like the areas that I'm in right now, these are what, this is what I want to do right now is I want to be good at these areas. And it's, it's been very, very, um, it's been nice to not have the wandering mind, the tyrant mind, just constantly abusing my everyday thought process and just waking up and being like, I want a healthy body. I want to be a good recruiter. Uh, I want to develop my podcasting skills and then that's it. Be a good person and then just run that course day in and day out, day in and day out, find ways to, you know, move those buckets forward, find ways to find wins in those, in those categories. And um, instead of waking up being like, what I want to do today, which is a way, way more stressful thought process, you know, who do I want to be? What's my purpose? What's my passion? What are my titles? Like, those are just to me thoughts that, you know, lead to, dead ends or could lead to, you know, great epiphanies. Um, but it's an exhausting question to ask yourself every single day. So I feel like um, I'm happy with the questions I'm asking myself on a day to day basis right now. And I'm, it's been very, very comforting. Um, so I feel good. I feel really good. The weather in Toronto has been anyone who's from Toronto who's listening to this, Lord have mercy. I don't know who we need to apologize to, to get some vitamin D in our lives. But this gloom and doom rain. This is another, this is a back to back right now that we're going through. <laughs> we're, we're on some Vancouver vibes right now, but we're literally, there's more days of rain than there is days of sun. Like this has been, and we're in peak summer coming off the back of a pandemic. Can we get some breathing space? Mother nature, could you get your foot off our neck for one second? Wow, man. But you know, I digress. I, uh, I digress. I digress. I try to, I'll try to find the good in the good in the, you know, the clouds, I guess. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's been the mood. That's the, that's the summary of what's been going on. Love that. Love that. I actually want to ask it because, because I'm, I haven't been in Toronto in a little while and I'm very grateful that I'm, you know, not to boast, but I have had some nothing but beautiful weather here in Calgary, which was crazy. But how have you noticed or have you noticed the impact of the weather on your day-to-day feelings and, and routine and just like your, your overall sense of enjoyment in life. Because I know that we a lot of people talk about the weather's impact, right? And I know for me, it's been a battle for as long as I can remember of trying to figure out, you know, am I letting the weather affect my mood or is it really something that's actually happening because we're so dependent on the sun? Mm-hmm. And I haven't done enough research to really say so, but I know the sun is of vital importance in our life. So you sitting in this back-to-back space, do you feel like it puts you in like a somber space or um, does it really affect you that much? 
It definitely can. I think that it definitely can affect you uh, at times when, you know, you wake up and um, you have maybe a, a, a big to-do list that day. You have things that you want to take over. And then, you know, you look outside and it's got that, like, listen to a sad song, watch a, watch a movie. Like, so like you have to then manage the energy that you're feeling from the environment and the energy that you need to be to get through the day, you know, and it's, it's a recognition of like, wow, okay. The weather is making me want to do this. My day needs me to do this. How am I going to shift the energy to make sure I can accomplish what I want to accomplish? And what I've realized is that, you know, to kind of answer your, your question in short is because I'm so dialed in on what I want, the weather has really little to do with what I want to do right now. You know, mm. like, it's like, you can't dictate me right now because I am like on a mission. Like, I, I, I don't think I've been on a mission more in my life than right now. Mm. And I think that the weather has very little impact on what I want to do with my day. Like, it's it almost more is just like, what am I wearing? You know what I mean? It's like, you look outside, you're like, it's more of like a, what do you need me to be? to be out there. Cool. Jacket. Got it. I'll wear it. Like, you know, it's like, there's nothing stopping you from the, you know, a good small example of it is the idea that like, if the gym closes, does that mean you stop working out? Right. Like, someone who's on a mission doesn't give a damn that the gym is closed. They're like, I'll find a way to do the pushups at home. I'll do sit-ups. I'll do this. They make the adjustment because the goal of being whatever they want physically is too important to them to mm-hmm. let these, let these factors dictate. Um, where somebody who is not as committed to the goal, someone who's not as committed to maybe that, that fitness goal, that health goal that they set, you close the gym, you shut down the goal, right? Like one thing hits an action, you know? And I think that I've been very, very guilty of that space, you know, Mm -hmm. having things that I'm not having things that I think in my mind are pretty. And, uh, you know, that's a cute goal to set, you know, but the second one little adversity comes, it just subsides, you know, I'm going to have this massive to-do list. Now it's raining. Ooh, boo-hoo, sad story. I'm shutting it down. You know, it's like, how committed was I to that list in the first place? And there's no, there's no judgment on people who maybe have had that, like that shutdown moment where, you know, bad weather dictates or, you know, the weather has such a pull on, you know, who you are and what you want to do and all of those kind of things. It's just, it just means that maybe you haven't committed enough to the things that you care about and your environment ultimately dictates how, how much you move and how you don't. But I hear this in like, you know, people who are very obsessed with their, their crafts and like they say, like, I don't care, you know, I don't care what's going on. Like, I'm so focused. And to not actually be in that feeling, I'm like, I get it. This is like, when you're in this seat, you're like, oh man, I was letting the weather and my environment and my shortcomings really, really dictate a lot for no reason. Like, you know, but it's, it's the commitment level. And I think that you asked me this question maybe, you know, a year ago, three years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I think it is dictating my life, like, you know, but I just genuinely, I'm like, it's more, more of an observation right now than it is anything else. I'm like, it's raining again. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and then back to, back to the, back to the, back to the madness, you know? So, um, that's how, that's how it's been hitting me lately, but definitely mm. been how it's been hitting me always. I right. definitely have been victim to sad music and, 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 and sad movies when it's raining for sure. That's absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's, and and same here. It's it's definitely been a factor uh, in my past, and you know I can't say that I'm fully beyond it. But I know that there's a lot of conversations around like seasonal depression, and when you know we get, you get the winter months, and it really starts to hit you. And I mean that factors in with obviously the natural rising of vitamin D and how often you can actually get it. We know this to be true, but I I always am just fascinated by this idea of how I think that we sometimes neglect the idea that outside is still our environment. You know, like we talk about, you know, make sure you're, you, you're in a good space and you're in a good environment and that it's not toxic, but 
we only ever talk about the workspace or our friendships or our relationships, but what about outside? You know, like what does that environment look like for you? And are you living in a space that you feel like it fuels you? Uh, and I know for me, that's how I felt about Toronto. I was really happy in Toronto because I felt like my, my, worldly environment my outside environment was incredible now obviously right now it's a little, a little rainy for you a little cloudy but um overall for me it was great and for me that made it easier to stay within my commitments it felt like uh it, it felt like it was that pull but then i also found myself in those moments of the rain being like no like i don't want to do a single thing and i think what you just mirrored back to me which is beautiful is you know what was my commitment level and where is my commitment levels? And I like that. And I think a lot of us, and I know for myself, uh, we don't declare those commitments out loud. And we just think you, we're going to be on this beautiful journey of achieving a goal and getting results and success and however long it takes. And uh, there's not a real sense of like, yes, this is what I want right now, because there's so many things to want. So I think so many people are trying to figure out the 17 lanes that they can go into and they're not just picking one. Mm -hmm. And right now I feel like you have two, maybe three, and you're just like, those are my two and three and that's it. Right. Um, and if something comes along, I'll navigate that, right? We've spoken about that. If something comes along, I'll navigate it and I'll see if I want to take it on. But right now I got two or three, I'm tunnel vision. These are my things. And that's what I'm going to go hard on. And when I wake up, I know I'm committed and I know for so many years in my past, I didn't wake up and be like, right, I'm committed. Oh yeah, I'm, I committed. I didn't say that to myself or I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so every little nuance would affect the way that I would operate and how hard I would work and how much effort I would put in. And even if I wanted to create a to-do list. So uh, I just like that conversation. I think weather is such a, an interesting one. And it's something that everyone talks about, right? It's like, oh, damn it, it's raining again. I guess I'll go home and do nothing. Or, uh, oh, it's beautiful outside. Now I'll finally go do something. Or uh, I can't believe how windy. Like everybody has a conversation about the weather. Um, and for me, it's just uh, like you said, it's an observation. It's like, oh, cool. It's nice and bright outside today. And then you do whatever is best for that day. Um, not necessarily saying like, I can only do X, Y, Z because it's X, Y, Z. And you find yourself in more of like a problem solving position when you live life like that a little bit, you know, it's like, you, you know how you wanted to feel that day, you know, what kind of energy you wanted to manifest and you look outside, the weather's raining. You, and if you committed to how you want it to feel, then you just problem solve. You find a new way to feel that, you know, mm. you find a new way of getting around, um, you know, canceling the picnic. Okay. The picnic is canceled. Now what do we do? We still want to have, we still want to get a gathering. We still want to hang out. Like what are the next steps, you know, versus letting it be the other way around where, you know, you have a plan, it gets canceled and you don't have a, you don't problem solve for that. You just go, okay, cool. We roll over and play dead. I just think you get more out of life when you're just constantly, okay, that happened. So now what, what can you do differently to still get the, you know, the same result. And I think that that's a, uh, you get more experiences that way and you, you move the needles, you move, you get that 1% better every day, which is something I fight for, you know, it's just 1% better every single day, regardless of, you know, how the day is looking. So. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I know we're going to get into the conversation really quickly here with stress, but I think an important aspect of the conversation is just managing expectations. And I think weather is a beautiful way of figuring out what expectations mean to us. Cause I, I know 
that for me, I often have an expectation that it's going to wake up and be how the weatherman said it's going to be. And if it's not, then I may get frustrated or I may get annoyed or I said, oh, I made these plans and now they're canceled. Like you said, the picnic and managing those expectations really, I think, influences our ability to feel good in our day. And if you can't manage those expectations, then of course you're going to be stressed. And of course you're not going to have a good day because your expectations weren't met and therefore your life is over. And a, a beautiful way that I've look, started to look at things is when I go sit in a park, for example, you know how there's bugs, right? There's like aphids or mosquitoes or mm -hmm. whatever. You go sit into a park. I think the hilarity of it all is that we think that the mosquito is invading our space that the aphid is invading our space. What in reality is we're invading their space and they're just doing what they would do if anyone came into their territory. It's, it's as if like we live in a world where we think everything has to serve us. So if the weather isn't right, well then why is the world not serving me as if we came before the earth? You know, as if as if the earth was here to serve us, and that's not necessarily the case, right? So I think right. it's just a, an interesting conversation is managing that kind of expectation, and um, it's feeling more peace, right? Like uh, having a conversation about stress today, feeling more peace. Who doesn't want to feel more peace? Mm -hmm. Damn those mosquitoes, though, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Listen, honestly, I'm not saying let the mosquitoes honestly, eat. Oh man. <laughs> If I, there's literally, if someone said, Anwar, you know, get rid of, get rid of one animal on this planet that like mosquitoes would be like a high priority for me. <laughs> like a high, they are just a nuisance. Oh they are. My. They absolutely are. I, coming from, coming from Winnipeg, living in Winnipeg, I think there's a lot of still water around there or whatever, but like mm. they shut down events. Like they're so bad. They shut down gatherings. Like You'll be out having a great time with bonfires and you're like, all right. And then once like everyone's feeling like this, they're like, yeah, shut it down, shut it down. And then we just shut it down. We literally just pack it up. I'm like, wow, we're really going to bed because of mosquitoes. Like we were having a great time. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess we're in their space. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, that's what I miss about Toronto. Toronto is really mosquito free for the most part. It was so nice. Yeah, the humidity, man. like they just don't really exist there. Being back home in Calgary, they're back and they suck. They definitely, literally, they do suck. All right, so <laughs> getting into the conversation today, uh, what we wanted to share with all of you listening is we wanted to talk about stress and stress management and stress awareness and the impacts of stress. And there are so many ways to look at stress and everyone I think has a different perspective. I think Anwar and myself are going to present some different ones as well. But what we wanted to do is kind of talk about how the world views stress first and give you a bit of definition, talk about the ways in which stress impacts us because there's multiple different facets. It's not just mental stress. And I can speak to that. I know for me, mental stress is how I've always just seen stress. That's just how I look at it. It's always mental stress. It feels like it's stressful in my brain in my mind. And the reality of it is it, it's more, much more than that. There's so many different areas. And so according to the definition, what we found is that stress can be defined as any type of change that causes physical, emotional, or psychological strain. It says that stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action, which is a piece of thing we're going to come back to. Some of the main sources of stress include work, finances, relationships, parenting, and day-to-day -day inconveniences. The day-to-day -day inconveniences I like in that definition, because for me, that kind of speaks to 
the weather conversation we just had, right? Mm -hmm. The weather inconveniencing us and therefore we feel stressed. But with this definition, I know that you've kind of taken a look at it already. What comes up for you in this space? Like what, what stands out to you in this definition? Does it resonate with you? Do you feel like you have a different definition? Like what, what about this is hitting you? Yeah, I think, I think that it does land. Like, you know, I think that that is a great overarching kind of definition of stress. It's, it's, it's this change from, you know, a plan or this change in mood or this change that is going on in your body based on something that's happening, you know, whether it's something that's happening on your body, something that's happening in your mind. Um, and it's this change that we, you know, when you're really resistant to it, can cause this long effect of stress, you know, something that is like burdening you. Um, but stress as a, as, as a word is just interesting to me in general. You know, I just think that stress is one of those things that, you know, it's a word and how it lives in you is all self-defined. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You get to kind of control what the word means to you and how it lives. Now, is there a very, very clear, like there's a real life thing that like this stress is a thing. You know what I mean? You can't just mm -hmm. change your mental definition of it. And all of a sudden it's gone. No, your body keeps score. Your mind knows, you know, when you're feeling stress, things are tense. There's physical, like there's literally physical um, feelings that you can feel when you're stressed, you're tense, shortness of breath, like their stress is a thing. Um, I think what you do about it is your choice and it's always mm. there, you know, like that, that the after is always there. And I think that, you know, the common areas that we find it is, you know, in these areas where we're worried or we are under a lot of stress or we've bitten off more than we can chew or, you know, times of uncertainty, the pandemic, for example. Yes, that's a very stressful environment. We've never navigated that before. What next? You know, um, but uncertainty is just really the I feel like a time between, you know, what was and, and what is, you know, it's just it's just it's just lull time, you know, and I think that time is always, uh, you know, the best healer of, you know, stress or pain or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah, this definition lands for me. I think that, you know, where where I feel the most stress a lot of the time is, you know, I guess psychologically, I would say more mental. I, I deal mm. with a lot more mental stress. Um I don't think my, I don't think my body, I think I've had a, a very good track record of, you know, not dealing with very much physical stress at all. Um, you know, yes, tense and t like, you know, tightness and things like that. But I think a lot of my battle has been more emotional and mental. Um, mm. mental. Well, you've had, you've had uh, a knee injury that you've been battling, right? Um, when you look at that knee injury, because I think, you know, what we've found here is that physical stress is real. Do you feel like that is just simply a tightness or do you feel like that is an example of stress in the body? I think that, I mean, that's a great, what, what a great way to bring that up and to, you know, bring that to my attention. Cause I didn't even, I would never really thought of that, but my injury is directly related to, you know, um, so I have patella tendonitis, which is essentially like overuse of a particular tendon without any love or care. You know what mm. I mean? <laughs> so literally the definition of patella tendonitis is just like you're using it a lot and you're not tending to it at all. Like you're not doing any of the self-care to like and you do that over time and it becomes chronic. And now I've, you know, had patella tendonitis since I was like grade eight and I'm only shaking it now. Right. Which is just a great way of just saying, like, when you don't tend to stress, it will become long lasting and then it will actually impact your life in a very, very negative way. 
And it has impacted my life in a very negative way, you know, where it's compromised my quality of life, my ability to do the things I enjoy and, you know, play the sports that I love because I'm hurt, you know, and there's been so many times where I've gone to the gym and I'm excited and I go there and I feel the pain. I got to sit out. I'm like, man. And it's, it's the reality is, is that I got to go back and tend to the, like what the source of it is the patella what's going on. How can I strengthen it, heal it, give it the attention it needs to get the strength it needs so that I can live the quality of life that I want. Um, and, you know, it just took me a really long damn time to learn that lesson. Um, mm. And so I think it's really cool that you actually brought that up because I think it's very, very relevant to, you know, the trajectory of stress and how it can like start in your body and how it can last over a long period of time if you don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And what I love too, uh, I appreciate you sharing. And in that sense, it's the physical representation of your knee, right? We spoke about obviously relates directly to stress. And so what you said there though, is that it can lead to chronic pain, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's, that's evident because it seems as if it's a real thing. Like it's a physical ailment. Like you can touch your knee and it hurts, or you move your knee in a specific way and it hurts. And I think that with a lot of the stress that we we recognize as uncomfortable is in the brain, but it just seems like it's it's not tangible. Like you can't grab it out of your brain or you can't necessarily always feel it. It just right. it's just a sensing of, you know, it's just like, wait a second, like I, I am stressed. And that's more of a mental cognitive reaction. And yet we don't tend to it as we would our knee right? As if the knee is more important to walk than our brain is more like what if you just stopped ever tending to your brain, then you wouldn't be able to think and you wouldn't have your memory locked in and you wouldn't have um, your your language locked in. Like you wouldn't be able to have these things locked in. So then you wouldn't be able to function the same way you can't function if you don't tend to your knee. But what I like about the chronic idea is what does chronic pain look like in a non-physical way, like a chronic stress, right? And I think maybe chronic stress, I'm just speaking out loud here, is possibly uh, a deeper sense of maybe depression or, um, or just a deep sense of overwhelm where it's, it's no longer stress. It's been taken, it's been upgraded. It's mm-hmm. been sent to a different area. Um, I don't know if that lands with you at all, but that's kind of what came up when you, when you mentioned the chronic idea. Because I do think if I don't tend to my mental, if I don't tend to that space, then of course, I think it's going to get to a chronic space if I don't, mm-hmm. if I don't tend to it. Absolutely. There's, there's tons of literature out there that, you know, there is a direct correlation between chronic stress leading to high levels of depression, high levels of anxiety, high levels of overwhelm. So that is the trajectory that you're on. That is the path that you're on. You know, if you don't manage it at the source, it's there's, there's life and the experiences that you're facing, then there's stress, long levels of like long, like periods of stress lead to chronic stress, which is essentially ultimately like chronic stress is kind of just a thinking of think about being constantly in fight or flight every moment of every day. It's a, a, it's an exhausting place for your body to be in. It's too alert. It never gets to a relaxed state. Right. And so when you're constantly stressed, uh, you're in like the fight or flight response for way too long. And your body deals with tons of different responses to that, right? It's like, you know, imagine imagine you were a security guard that never got to go to sleep and you had to be like, you had to watch this building with your life and you constantly had to just be like alert all the time like this. You know what I mean? Like that is exhausting. 
That is mm-hmm. like, you know, and never getting to switch it off or relax or being like, hey, things are fine because your body is worried that um, something bad might happen or, you know, you're not able to overcome the obstacles that you're facing and, you know, you know you're, not, you're not feeling capable. Um, and so in a lot of the small amounts of stress can actually be motivating. Uh, you know, it's small amounts of stress. Apparently, you know, you, it gives you bursts of energy, can give you extra focus, you know. So in small amounts, stress can be beneficial. But over a long period of time, chronic stress has huge, huge, huge implications on your body long term and can lead to exactly like you said, um, you know, depression and anxiety and overwhelm. And, you know, that is a place where you don't want to kind of live in. And that's a journey that you want to kind of, you want to step into and, and start to kind of get tools to get you out of that. You know, you want to get, go from stress. And if you get to chronic stress, you want to at least work your way backwards, you know, get to stress, mm-hmm. get back to quality of life. Cause the next chapters after chronic stress aren't pretty. Um, right. They're not and, and ones. There's something that you said in there that I don't want to move past uh, because I think there is a lot there specifically from you. But in the definition we gave at the beginning, there was a component that said stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. So stress is your body's response to anything that requires attention or action. So stress is like a signal. It is a messenger. It is there to tell you something. It is not there to debilitate you. That's not what this is saying. It's saying, hey, I need you to pay attention to me right now. And that aligns with what something you just said was sometimes stress can be motivating. And I want to touch on that. I don't want to move on because I know that there is a lot there for you. And there's a a system that you work off of and a belief that you have about stress and the way that you see it. Um, Explain that. Explain your concept of stress being a motivator. I I think for me, a lot of kind of, you know, shifting the language of stress and stuff has been from thinking the like just just shifting the way I think about the term, you know, thinking about, you know, when I'm stressed about something, being like, okay, you're stressed. Why are you stressed? Right? Like that, just that question in itself gives you a lot of empowerment. When you're stressed about something or when I'm stressed about something specifically and I ask myself why, typically things that come up are, you know, high levels of care for what I'm doing. You know, I'm I'm very passionate about what I'm doing and I care so much. It's stressing me out because I want to deliver or I want to do well in that area. Right. Is caring a bad thing? Not necessarily. Right. Like having high levels of care isn't a bad thing where it's bad is when you and something I've had to navigate is I'm natural overthinker. So naturally, I'm going to put too many things together that I'm going to care about deciding what to care about and what not to care about is my my proactiveness about managing the stress. Here's stress. Why am I stressed? I care about what I'm doing. Okay, can I care about all of these things though? Right? And then picking and choosing what to care about and letting the rest of them go and letting the rest of them dissipate, releasing some of the tension. Right? And so for me, it's been, you know, shifting the language of how I think about it and seeing it as more of a signal and less of a like something that like is supposed to like cripple me, you know? If stress is a signal to me and I perceive it as a signal, that signal response triggers to me, why am I stressed and what can I do about helping that stress, you know, and then going into the toolbox and trying to figure out what tools do I have that, you know, can alleviate that stress right now, you know, and so even when I go back to, you know, my personal journey with stress, I often think about there's two versions of Anwar that's out there, you know, that has been out there. There's Anwar that was in a stressful life with no tools. And there's Anwar that's been in a stressful life with tools. That's been Mm -hmm. the only difference. Stress has never stopped. Like 
Things have always been now. Couple things have a couple things have changed within my stressful environment. When I was younger, there was less things to stress about, and I had no tools. And when I was older, there was more things to stress about, and I had tools. Something that I take from that is, damn, it's crazy. The more stress you get, the more you seek help. The more you seek, I need more tools, right? Like as my responsibilities got bigger, as I started to care about more things in life, I noticed my stress levels got bigger. Then they got too big where I was like, I need to learn how to manage this. I need to learn how to, what tools can I get into my toolbox to help me, you know, alleviate some of these um, stressors or some of these triggers that I'm feeling. Um, And then you get down the rabbit hole of kind of learning what works for you, right? That's that ultimate level of, you know, self-awareness. I brought into this conversation, I know I'm an overthinker, right? That contributes to how I will perceive stress. And so now I'm not necessarily solving stress as much as I am trying to solve how I deal with stress, which is managing the overthinking. And then if I can manage the overthinking, I can, you know, put things in place that will allow me to see moments of opportunity, moments of growth and less moments of, you know, feeling inadequate and overwhelmed. And, you know, some of the other, you know, um, crippling feelings that stress will show you if you don't kind of understand yourself. Um, And so that's why I think that I love that that definition kind of just, you know, it got rid of the it got rid of the negative connotation. It just said stress is really just yeah, attention and action. You know what I mean? And that's, and we decide what it does to us later. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so yeah, that's absolutely. kind of how it, 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 it kind of lands for me. But uh, have you always seen it as, you know, a signal or, or, or has stress been one of those things where um, once you feel it, it's just kind of like, you know, you avoid it because you're like, I don't want to engage in things that are stressful or, or, or do you attack it? Do you get into it? I think my longstanding history with stress is a unhealthy relationship. Uh, I think that if, if I was stressed in this relationship, I would not be happy. Uh, I would be uh, annoyed and frustrated because um, of my thoughts of deflecting it and ignoring it and not wanting to take part in thinking that it was uh, a bad thing and a negative connotation towards life. It felt like sometimes if I was stressful, then I wasn't doing things right. Mm-hmm. It was, it felt as if like I needed to not feel stress and then that would therefore mean that I am doing well in life. And that was the, that's the majority of my life. Uh, and that was hard. That's, that was debilitating in many different ways because I was avoiding it. I was running from it. And I think that what I recognize about some of the components in life that we feel we deflect or we run from is just because you run from it doesn't mean that it just automatically goes away. It just runs with you. Because when you're running from something, it's, it is not going anywhere, especially if it's a psychological thing. You can't run from these things. They always find you. They always come back, whether it's tomorrow or next week. Um, you only escape them for a small moment um, because to, to run from them is to still acknowledge them, right? It's not as if they don't exist. To either face it or run from it acknowledges that it's there. It, it, it represents that the experience still exists and that it's happening. And... So for me, everything kind of turned for me when I heard this statement from uh, this guy named Andrew Huberman. He is an incredibly smart man. He is a neuropsychologist, neuroscientist, and he shares some powerful wisdom. And he talked about stress one time and he phrased it as stress is simply designed to make you move. That's what stress is for. Stress is just there to make you move. And why I like that definition combined with what we talked about today about your body's response to anything that requires attention or action is that stress is just there to tell me to go left or right. 
You know, like when you're walking and there's a fork in the road, that would be a stressful situation. And really all that's saying is just pick one. Stress just wants you to pick one. And it may be the best one and it may not be the best one, but you picked one. And that's just the way you're going. And I speak from not a perfect space of, of handling stress by any means, but that's kind of where I've, my journey has been in a really uh, nutshell type of way. But like I said earlier, stress has always been something I didn't want to take part in. And it often led to chronic stress, to be quite honest with you. I allowed it to become chronic stress because there would be, you know, the example we have here of work and finance relationships, parenting, day-to-day -day inconveniences, like the small, the small buildups. That's what I really noticed. The small day-to-day -day inconveniences that I felt I wasn't fully addressing and therefore we're building and over time naturally became chronic stress. And that chronic stress looked like sleeping in late and reaching for vices and uh, inability to connect with people properly because I had so much on my mind and not wanting to go and be with people at all and not feeling committed and not feeling passionate. And that was not because I wasn't capable of, it was because the day-to-day -day inconveniences building up over time put me in a position where I didn't realize it was too much. And I don't even think knowing that I wasn't operating at 100% was even still enough because I would say, well, of course I'm not operating at 100%. I'm stressed. And that's the excusal language that I would use is, well, sorry, I, I'm, I'm acting this way because I'm stressed or I did that because I'm stressed. And it would always be something that I could felt like I could throw something at and it would stick because mm -hmm. that's how the world represents stress. I felt like anytime I didn't do something right, I could just take a sticky, throw it at the wall. It would stick and be like, see, told you I was stressed because it's easy. It's an the, easy. The labeling. I feel like a lot of us use it as a label and not nothing that we want to like problem solve around or figure out, but, but, but more so just be able to identify and give a, give a, a sticker to how you feel and then just, you know, keep it moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a great language. I think for it too, is it's an identifier and, we, and maybe that's how that will land for some people who are listening to this signal that we keep speaking about is all it is, is simply a label. And you've spoken to this and I'm just going to repeat it is um, the label doesn't necessarily come with the meaning because as we mentioned, every single word, and we do this so often, we come into these spaces and we're like, here's the word and here's a new definition. And here's a word and here's a new definition because the dictionary definition is not necessarily this global concept that we have to all align with. So when they talk about stress, for example, if you don't like the definition, don't live by that definition. There is nothing that is constraining you to do so, except for the idea that we need to have this tribal knowledge around language. But for us, we always want to try to redefine these things. So when I think about stress and you think about stress, they're different. Right? I don't always see it as a motivator and you do. And uh, maybe not always, but that's just how you see it sometimes. And for me, sometimes I see it as a move and sometimes I still think of it in the sense of, damn, I'm stressed and I play a bit of the victim. And that's how I see it sometimes. But in this definition we gave earlier, nowhere in there does it say victim or things are going bad. And yet that's how I have always defined it. So that's a direct representation of you just never really know what the word means. And you have the ability to add a meaning to it, right? Well, a quote I shared a long time ago is uh, nothing has meaning until it's been given meaning. 
So a tree doesn't have a meaning until you give it the meaning of whatever you see it as. I could see the tree as beautiful and you could see the tree as not beautiful. And that it directly impacts how my meaning or the tree's meaning towards me and the meaning towards you. There's less value for you in that tree. There's more value for me in that tree. Just like stress, right? If something I'm stressed about could be nothing to you. It could be, well, I, I, I just, oh, I just, I just navigated that. That was, that was quite easy for me. And I'm over here feeling debilitated, mm-hmm. right? The, the trigger didn't change, right? The concept didn't change. Let's say it's work, right? Work, the work didn't change if we were doing the exact same thing. The work didn't change. Just the meaning I've attached to the work has changed mm-hmm. compared to yours. So therefore, I'm more stressed. And that's what I think I love about this idea of just re-supporting or, or sorry, redefining all of the words and creating a completely different narrative around words that we put so much weight on, right? Like how, how often do you hear to people talk about stress? Literally all the time. All the time. It, it's such a, con- it's like, it's stress and self-care. You know? Like mm-hmm. they go hand in stress. What are you talking about today? Stress. Oh, what are you talking about tomorrow? Self-care. Like those are, it feels like those two components run our lives. Mm-hmm. As if like there's no other aspects of it, right? Because they've been glorified so heavily, been so heavily glorified. And that's why I like this conversation is for me, I think I'm just trying to not glorify stress so much in the sense of that it's uh, a pessimistic thing, a negative thing. That's mm-hmm. how I think it's been glorified. It's been put on a negative pedestal, which is wild, but makes total sense because, well, not to get too lost in the sauce here, but, uh, you know, it's capitalism. Any opportunity to, to, to latch on to getting people to buy things to ease their stress is a beautiful way to make money. Um, drugs, alcohol, uh, whatever you want to look at it. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts they're sharing blog posts it is a really powerful space so we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and google store it is tether t-e-t-h-r available on both app stores join the community i promise you will not regret it on the topic of, you know, reframing and, you know, finding a different um, way to speak to the same language, but have a different outcome. Um, Sadhguru, um, someone that I, you know, he's a very massive spiritual leader. Go check him out on YouTube. Love Sadhguru. Um, he's unbelievable. Um, but I was watching a video on him and, you know, he sat up there and he went, you know, when I came to America, I kept hearing this term, you know, stress management. And he was, and he was like, I was very confused because who wants, why do you want to manage stress? 
And he, he, he continues, he elaborates and he goes, you know, you're supposed to manage things that are precious to you, like your family, like your business, your property, your money. You know, those are things that you manage, things that are precious to you, things that you care about. He's like, stress isn't a part of you. It's not something to be managed. It's, we get stressful because we don't know how to handle the very sophisticated machine that we have, this mind, this body. We don't know how to handle it. So when things enter and leave and we don't know how to handle it, it becomes stressful for us. And so the way he says is that, you know, the reality is that we don't understand how to handle the thoughts that we're having or the emotions or, you know, the energies that we're interacting with. And that is stressful, but we don't, we don't actually need to manage stress. It's not something that's a part of us that we are actively trying to manage. And so in that definition of it, to me, it's just like such a brilliant way of being able to see that by being able to handle your own mind and your own emotions and your body, being able to handle the, the vessel that you're in, being able to like maybe read the training manual for this sophisticated machine that you're operating on a day-to-day basis, that will actually lead to stress management instead of trying to actually manage these parts that you know you're putting together, you're, you're, you're perceiving, you're making up. You know, it's, um, it's, the, it's the management of you that actually is going to serve you the best as a stress manager versus managing stress, like as if it's a, it's a part of you, you know, like it's a part of something that you're, and I really, really liked the way he kind of broke that down. And he often does that in a very, very, he strips, he's someone who, even when you hear his story, he basically is the definition of not giving anything meaning until it has meaning. Like he is so on brand with that. He understands that. So much. A lot of people will come in every time they talk to him. He'd be like, "But what? But but why? But why do you think that?" He you you, you use a word and you'll bring a whole concert. He'd be like, "But why do you think that way? Who told you to think that way? Is that not just this? And is this not just that?" And he does such a brilliant job of you know redefining a lot of things in life. And his his uh, his YouTube video on stress management is is is, is quite eye opening, and I found that you know I aligned a lot more with that as I get older. You know, this idea that being able to manage the vessel, being able to manage the thought process, has actually been my strongest skill set in stress management. Is is you know being more in tune with who I am as a person, being more in tune with the self awareness that comes with um, managing this 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 thing that I'm in. You know. That is also that's been my biggest contributor to managing my stress, and um, I think that it make it makes a lot of, of sense even when you kind of take it to like a childhood perspective, right? If you take it all the way back to being a child, you know, think about what would cause you stress. Imagine an environment where two kids were raised in a completely different household, and things that you would come up and be like, "That's not that stressful," like this, and like, because maybe you've been protected from that stress your whole entire life, so your trigger doesn't even go off. Where someone who was absent of a father or absent of a mother or, you know, didn't ha- like had a lot more stresses growing up, they might be more triggered to something that is, is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that thing is actually that stressful. It's just your environment that you came from is making you perceive this thing as stressful, right? And when you, when you, when you kind of can put both those two examples together, like as if, you know, this thing that we're facing could look stressful to one person and not look stressful to one person means that is it stressful or is it, is it you? Right. And then you add the Sadhguru res- response to how he dealt with stress and you just, just make you question everything. It just, it makes you go, 
are we in control of the stress or is the control is the stress in control of us? Because if we two people can perceive this item as stressful or not stressful, it sounds like we have a lot more control in this in this equation than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I would I'd like to live by that definition more than, you know, allowing stress to be a label that, you know, cripples me, you know, like. I, that that doesn't seem like there's much wiggle room to improve. You know, mm-hmm. I would rather be more tapped into the idea that the more control I get over my emotions, the more control I get over my thoughts and what I'm feeling and how I'm, you know, the energies that I'm interacting with, the better I will be at, you know, responding to stress in the future. That to me sounds like, you know, a process that I want to be a part of. So. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's so many, spaces I want to enter in. But one thing I love, a question that came to me that I think is a powerful way to reframe when we're feeling stressed is who stresses this? Whose stress am I feeling right now? Is it the stress of my parents? Is it the stress of my uh, whoever raised me? Is it the stress of my friends? Like who placed this idea of this is supposed to be stressful into my hands and said, hey, as you grow up, as you live, as you navigate life, this is something that's going to be stressful. And that's just how it is. So who stresses this? For me, for example, finances. Finances have always been something that has stressed me out. And that was a direct representation of how finances were looked at growing up. They were a stressful conversation. They would never seem to be an easy conversation or they just weren't a conversation. And what that told me was that finances are stressful. Mm-hmm. So as I navigated growing up, it, all I ever saw was money is stressful. Money is mm-hmm. stressful. And in this conversation now, what I love is if I ever think that way, I think I can ask myself, well, who stresses this? Is this my stress? Or is, am, am I adopting somebody else's idea of stress in this specific context? And then if I get to a space where I feel like I'm managing my own choices, as I attempt to break that cycle, then I can say, okay, this is now my stress, but now I feel more empowered to take action because I've chosen for it to be on my plate. I haven't had, I haven't um, or I've decided that I'm no longer going to allow other things to be added to my plate that are not mine. Because a lot of things that I have on my dinner plate are not mine. They are somebody else's. And so I love that reframe and and just adopting this idea. We've spoken about it so much, but it's just reiterating that so much of what we believe in and the idea of stress or any of the conversations we've ever had, it's just coming from your childhood. It's coming from what you were taught. It's coming from what you were conditioned to believe. It's coming from that space. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you can tie the knot between those spaces, the way that I, I, I like to see it is uh, we came into this world being born and we had everything we needed. We knew all of the things. And then we were, um, then we're taught and given all of these values and beliefs and standards and shoulds and shouldn'ts and likes and dislikes. We were given all of it, which was taking us away from that which we already knew. And then as we grow up, we get into a space of uh, unlearning and rediscovering all of the things that we came. And that's kind of what we're doing here when we redefine stress, right? Is who stresses this? Well, it's remembering it was this even stressful in the first place. Who's to, who's to say, but someone told me it was, but I didn't, I didn't have the opportunity to make that conscious choice. So I don't know. So now we get a choice, a chance to unlearn and then rediscover what I believe to be true. And that's what I love about this conversation about stress. 
yeah, lots of lots of unlearning. And I think that like as you go on, things start to like like you can literally close your eyes and remember a time where you're really stressed out, and then it, when you got you you managed it, you figured it out. Now it doesn't stress you out anymore, right? So was that a moment of time, or was that a stressful? You know, there's there's certain times in life where you can just be like, oh yeah, I'm stressed, but this is it's because I'm new. I just started this job. I don't I don't know I don't know anything about this job. So letting that stress turn into chronic stress is just a, sh- a matter of being able to understand, okay, I'm stressed. This is a new job, but this is, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then that doesn't allow for stress to go from stress to chronic, you know, uh, where it's constantly the opposite of that is, you know, I'm stressed. I don't know how to do this job. I'm inadequate. I can't do this job. I'm incapable. See how that rabbit hole now leads you to a whole nother, a plethora of feelings and emotions. You know, it's the same signal. Hey, you're stressed because there's a lot of information here that you don't know. Oh, I just started here though. I will learn this information over time. Oh, I'm, I'm not smart. I can't understand this information. Two completely different responses to the same, the same signal. Mm-hmm. Both lead you down a completely different paths. And I think for me, it's been a matter of being able to, over time, go left and be like, oh, I went left 10 times. It leads me down a really stressful path and then maybe go right. And I'm like, oh, right was the right one. Like, okay, that's less painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you over time just start to figure out which ones you want to go left on, which ones you want to make go right on. Um, and then you just kind of accumulate a, a better understanding. And, you know, I think we should dive into now kind of, you know, how we how we managed our own stress. And, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of, take over that conversation just because, you know, I'm in it right now is mm-hmm. the perception piece was huge for me. That was like one of the biggest, you know, eye opening things for managing my stress was just having that perspective of, you know, that little that small language shift of, I get to work out today, not I have to work out today, have to work out today adds stress to your to your to your body, right to your mind. Because now you're now you're in a conflict with you know what maybe you be what you're doing versus what you think you need to do. Like I have to work out adds a to do list. It adds something on a to do list line, which now we're stressed because our list is too big. I have to work out. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to, but I get to go work out. You know, or working. Not only do I get to go work out, exercise actually serves me as a person in a favorable way. It makes me a better individual. It actually makes me manage life better by exercising. That perspective shift takes the word stress off of exercise and puts it somewhere else, right? Because how I'm looking at it isn't stressful anymore, right? So really going into, you know, all my stressful situations and really having perspective has allowed me to, um, you know, change how I feel about it, being able to think about the same thing differently, see from a different angle. Um, And sometimes I am, I am actually validated in the stress. Sometimes my thought process still leads me to no, I'm still stressed out. Regardless of how I think about this, it still stresses me out. But then I'm, I, I almost accept it as, okay, that's just, you know, I'm stressed out about this situation and I have to now problem solve around it. You know, what can I do? You know, if you were like, I'm stressed out about finances and I'm like, just think about it differently. Just think about it this way. You're like, all right, tried that, still stressed out about finances. Well, then now we are on to the second chapter of how do we problem solve around that? What can we do? What are, what are, sure, we can be stressed about finances. The bills aren't going away. Rent is due. You can't take those things out. Like, like I'm stressed about finances and I'm like, that's fine. Just like, who cares about rent? No, I can't just not care about rent. It's, it's, it's here. So you then now have to channel problem solving skills, right? Where you problem solve around the problem. Okay, well, what can I do today? 
I can, you know, what are, what are, how much money do I need? What can I, what can I save? And then now I think what a lot of people aren't willing to do is commit to the problem solving. So then they find themselves back in the stress, right? If you've solved the problem or you've tried to at least strategize around the problem, commit to the, commit to that. Cause your choices are the struggles of the problem or the challenges, sorry, of the, the plan that you made or the stress itself. So you can either make a one, two, three step process to get out of the stress and deal with the challenges of the, of the, the list that you made or deal with the stress itself. Which one's more painful? And I often think committing to the game plan, though it requires sacrifice and compromise and all these other things, long term, they're better for you because they're helping you alleviate the, the big elephant in the room, which is the stress itself. You know, mm-hmm. and, so and all you're really you're compromising in that space is your previous comfort zone, right? Like you're just exactly. all you're compromising is an older version of you that didn't necessarily serve you. So I think the idea of compromise is people think they need to give up their lives, but they're only giving up a past version of their lives for the new version, right? So you're not really compromising in the center; you're just growing. Which is which is, it's so funny how many people I find what aren't willing to. Um, shed the old version of themselves or get into a discomfortable zone, but are willing to commit to being stressed out mm-hmm. and commit to being, you know, chronically stressed out because it's weird to think that people actually perceive they would, they would rather not be in between two places and be labeled. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like I would rather just be able to, cause it's easier for me to wake up and say, I'm just stressed. It's just stressful. Cause you have a, you have a label versus fighting to get out of the stress kind of leaves you in limbo. You're not stressed, but you're not peaceful. You know what hmm. I mean? You're in limbo. You don't have a label on, on the journey. You never really have a label from point A to point B. You never really have a journey. You never really have a label when you're going between two points. Mm-hmm. And some people would rather have a label than, than work towards, really being in abyss for a little bit until you can say i'm peaceful now mm-hmm. you know i'm like the, the stress is gone like and how often do we really feel like people are really actually seeking peace because i think in this space here you know we're, we're talking about stress and helping you alleviate stress but I, I i believe that a lot of us are addicted to stress we're addicted to what stress means and we love the feeling of it because we're so used to it because life is stressful, quote, quote, and everything about life is stressful. And so we get addicted to this feeling. And then when someone says, you know, they're peaceful, you're like, are you, are you okay? Like, what does that even mean? And it's it's kind of sick and crazy to think about how we all have like this codependent relationship with each other to rely on you to make sure you're not your best. So then I never have to be my best. And as long as we have this unspoken rule, then neither of us have to get out of this stress. We're good. We don't have to put in the new commitment to change or a new commitment to new version of me. We can just be, oh, well, you're going to be half of what you could be. Perfect. I'll be half of what I could be. Let's build this codependent friendship and perfect. We're all just going to be half of our half of ourselves and never actually achieve the peace. Because why would I, why would I seek something I don't understand or I'm uncomfortable with? Because peace is uncomfortable if you're addicted to stress. Especially in the men's space. Especially in the men's space. And something you said earlier that I, I think we need to make sure it's locked in here is so much of our stress comes from performance anxiety. Tons of performance, right? Like you, you mentioned like learning and growing and navigating what that looks like. It's so much of our stress. And I feel this deep to my soul is that if I don't feel like I'm doing a good job, I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. 
as soon as I feel like I'm not doing a perfect job, then I'm stressed because what that tells me is I'm not good at what I do. It means I'm not good enough. It means I'm not worthy. Uh, and it leads me down this rabbit hole, whether it's in relationships or finance or work or friendship, whatever. If I don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job, I feel performance anxiety and performance issues. And therefore I'm stressed all of the time. And it's just, it's just how many times, like, you know, as a man, it's almost like if you're not stressed out, are you doing enough? Right. You know, and, and that, that, that correlation is unhealthy, you know, to, this is the rat race that we're in fellas. Like this is the game that we're playing. Like we often like, you know, when we like compare each other to our peers, you, you, you try to almost like show off a more stressful schedule to act, to act more important than somebody maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, like you list off the laundry list of everything that you're managing and you actually show up with stressful energy to kind of like act as if like, I got a lot of shit going on guys. Like I'm doing a lot of stuff. And it's like, when you get addicted to that feeling, it actually is like you're tricking your brain to thinking that you like stress, but your body is keeping score. Like Mm -hmm. you could trick your brain to doing whatever you want. Your body is keeping track. Your body knows if you're, you're, but when you show up to these pregames or you show up to these parties and you're actually trying to be like, I'm going to act stressed because I want these people to think I'm important and I got a lot Mm -hmm. going on you are literally channeling stress in your body as if it's a positive because you want a positive social response. You're going to tell yourself that you're stressed and you're going to go into this environment and carry a whole evening out of, I got a lot of things going on. You're going to carry story after story after story. We are just, we are just walking examples of stories that we're telling ourselves. That's all we are at the end of the day. We are just vessels of stories that we're telling ourselves and we project it. So if a story you're telling yourself is I need to be stressed out to look important or I need to be stressed out to show my peers that I am I'm a performer that I'm a, I'm 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 ambitious that I have dreams that I'm an achiever if you are actively channeling stress you are in the rat race my friend you are in a rat race and you are tricking nobody but yourself mm-hmm. take a step back Stress is not something you want to embody in your body and in your mind. You are trying to work against it. You are trying to move your body from stressful states to relaxation states. And the only way you can do that is to strategize and plan around those two states. Mm. Something is bothering you. You're not trying to adopt it as a positive. You're not trying to, you're not trying to use it as a facade to attract other people. That is not the way to go about stress. Mm. And, and, I think a lot of times we might even try to signal to a woman that you're important because you're stressed. Right. Right. And that this, that, that, that the stress validates your inability to show emotion, your inability to connect, you know, I'm stressed, babe. Like I'm super stressed right now. Like, like just leave me alone. You know that I'm doing a lot as if that response is showing her, you have, you, you're important. So don't leave me. Cause I'm important. I do a lot of stuff, but I'm not going to engage in this conversation that you want me to engage in because I'm stressed and I don't need to engage in it because I'm stressed mm-hmm. because stress is good. Stress is a good signal to other guys that I got shit going on. Right. My- and we get validated for that too. When you go to a, a gathering or you can't hang out with a friend cause they're too busy to be in that space or they're not present. You're like, Oh, 
this guy's doing a good job. Like he's killing life right now. I say that all the time. And I know other people say it about their friends. Like uh, uh, when, they're do- when they're doing all of these things and they're, they're always, always busy. Not to say that's a bad thing, but when they are always in this space where they, they, they're incapable of doing anything else, but what they're working on and they show up and they're not fully present. You're like, wow, like he must be doing a really good job. He's doing so good for himself in his life. And there's so much validation from our other men of validating stress. We validate each other's stress. Mm-hmm. And then we expect our partner to do the same thing. Because like you said, stress equals worth. It's as if it's, it literally feels like stress equals my worthiness. Because then it proves that I am being or doing successful things in life as if success comes with a prerequisite stress level. It's crazy. And I love that story you said, walking or walking stories, because so much of this conversation is just stemmed in belief systems, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do, what do we believe about life? If I be, like you mentioned, if you want to get out of this money story, that's beautiful. But if you say, listen, here's my plan X, Y, Z, but you don't ever address the belief you have about yourself, about money, then it doesn't matter. You're like you said, you're just going to come back to ground zero every single time because you haven't faced the concept or the belief that you have that you're not good with money. If I don't believe I'm good with money, then it doesn't matter how much I do or try or give effort to. It doesn't matter. If I don't believe that um, I can handle stress or I, if I believe that stress is a good thing, then it doesn't matter if I put in 12 different self-care practices. I will always end up back to where I started because I'm not changing the belief. I'm running from myself. I'm running from the problem by putting all of these other things in place when the problem is always, like you said, internal. It's my internal belief and internal story. And that's how I'll walk. And even through the self-care, I'll be like, no, nope, I still suck with money. Or, oh, no, see, can't handle stress. It's always a recurring thing back to the belief system. Always. And, uh, you know, to give people an example, a concrete example of, you know, what Kyle there maybe missed you, it's if you are bad with money and then you somehow make money, but then you spend, you spend a lot of it and you, and you screw up. You're going to tell yourself, oh, I did that because I'm bad with money. Because you, you didn't change the belief system. So what does that lead to? More bad mistakes. More like this is supposed to happen. It's me. This is how it does happen. I go right. back to zero. This is, this is how it's supposed to happen. Like I'm bad with money. This is destined to happen. Versus being bad with money, changing. No, I can be someone who's good with money. You make money. You spend a little. Instead of playing victim in that moment being like no i'm good with money i shouldn't have made that decision that was a bad decision right see how it doesn't like lead to a bad ripple effect of going all the way back down because your belief has changed like you made the mistake that you made before but you're like no i'm good with money though so i shouldn't have made that mistake of course i'm good with money i made this much i saved this much i must be good with money so i just made a mistake maybe i I shouldn't do that because i'm good Mm -hmm. with money and that's a bad financial decision for me and then now I'm, I'm, I'm a new story. Now I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the new version of myself. I'm in the new set of belief systems. But we are, as humans, will always find ways to justify our actions. Always. always. And if you're telling yourself a negative story about yourself, you will always justify your action. I screwed up that relationship with that girl because I'm, I'm just, I'm, emotion, I'm emotionally unavailable. Who told you that? Who told you you were emotionally unavailable? Who told you that you were, these are things you're telling yourself. Mm-hmm. You'll always justify a bad behavior by some story you're telling yourself. So if you change the story you're telling yourself, you change the belief system about what you're telling yourself, then you give yourself the opportunity to step into your new light. And that's, that's just how it goes. 
Mm -hmm. Because once you have the belief system, your brain justifies it on the outside. It makes sure that it knows that it's going to start seeking everything that reinforces that belief system. And it will basically remove anything in your environment that says otherwise. So if I am someone who believes I'm stressed, I believe that stress is a good thing, then I will start to block out things that are not stressful and start to only see the things that are stressful because my brain is going to validate or reinforce that belief. It doesn't want the other things because the wanting of other things contradicts the belief system and the belief system is the core. If the belief system is strong and as it is, and the belief system again comes from what we were told as children um, and how we modeled that, then that's all we'll see. So the emotional unavailable thing, if I believe I'm emotionally unavailable, then I'm going to seek out people that will reinforce my emotional unavailability. And I will not seek out people that do the opposite. And and to keep it in the context of stress, again, if I believe that stress is a good thing, I will only see stressful environments. I will seek out the hecticness. I will seek out something that drives me in a way that is so stressful, but I like it because I believe that stress is a good thing. But I won't go find this peaceful job. (laughs) I won't go find this nice and casual job because that does not reinforce my belief that I should be stressed. I will seek out stressful relationships and stressful financial situations and stressful family situations. And I won't find the peace in that because it doesn't reinforce my belief about I am stressed or I like stress. So it's a constant loop. And so that's why for me, it was the hardest journey is getting out of this idea that other people will reinforce my stress level. They will reinforce it and I will feel good. And the question I had to start asking myself is, am I expressing how much I have going on and how stressed I am for validation? Am I just asking for validation of my worth every single time I do this? And when I started to ask that question, I realized I'm doing it every single time. All I want them to do is say, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job because then I feel worthy. And then I feel like I'm being a good man and that I'm doing a good job as a man. And as I started to realize, oh, I'm only seeking external validation every single time I'm doing this, it allowed me to start to see myself for who I really was and what I was actually doing to myself. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't start to realize that so many of the things that I was doing was just for everybody else's validation of me to prove my worth. The bigger the burden, the bigger the praise. Oof. Amen. It's, the more, the more you're, the more you're packing on, the more you, you, the more baggage you're carrying, the more you put on your shoulders, the, the more masculine you are, the more of a man you are. And it's that ideology. It's that thought process that only time will tell how long until your back snaps from the burden. You want to play that game? Is that the game that we want to play? Maybe seek validation in those who care about your health. Maybe that's a better audience. Mm. Because it doesn't change your ambition level. It doesn't change your dreaming. It doesn't change your work ethic. Be around hungry people who are getting after it, who care about you mentally, who care about you physically. That's an environment that's set up for success. Not an environment where you're pushing me ambitiously, you're, you're, you're giving me motivation, you're driving me, but you don't really care about my mental health and physical health at all. 
And that's the environment a lot of us find ourselves in. And it's, it's, it's okay to be, I guess, in that environment, if you are in that environment, but be aware of the environment that you're in. Some of us don't have a workforce that cares about our physical health and our mental health. That's just the environment that we live in. You know, like you go to work and you're like, these people don't care. They care about the numbers. Like they care about the results. That's fine. But when you go home or you're in your friend groups, show the real version of yourself. Don't show the facade because you're already carrying a goddamn facade. Mm Mm-hmm. Now it becomes a belief system. It becomes a story. You're taking the work energy into your personal life. And now you're trying to convert everybody in your family to believe stress is a good thing somehow, some way. And that's where it's the awareness piece is, you know, fight for what you want, but understand the environment in which you're fighting for. It's fight for your dreams, fight for your goals, but at the expense of what? Always be calculated by the expense of what? And if the expensive is at self, you can do that for a little bit of time. But once it hits chronic level, as you alluded to earlier, that typically will lead to bigger issues, way bigger issues. Um, and the, the need to do all that, as we've tried to highlight here, sometimes comes from th- this weird ideology that we need to be stressful human beings especially as a man, you need to be stressed out. You need to be accomplishing so much to look desirable to a female, to look alpha to males. And that is what we're trying to change here is this idea that you need to be stressed to attract uh, an individual into your life to, to, to signal to a peer, a man to man peer that you are capable and able and strong in your ability to find peace and harmony within the chaos. There's no, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. Same reason why, have you ever gone to the gym and you just look and you're just like, you can just tell who's channeling their masculinity and trying to like live into every stereotype and then who's not. And then you realize it's like, is it really about how much you're lifting or is it about the form? And if you know what you're doing or not, the massive like grunt of like a thousand, like a hundred pounds and all this stuff. It's just like, that looks as if you're the strongest person in the room. But what if I told you that this, this like smaller guy beside you is actually stronger than you because they do the exercises correctly. They do it with the right weight. And they've actually like, they've actually like recruited the right muscles to do that exercise. But because you're loud and you're big and you're vibrato, you might signal to the rest of the gym that you're the most masculine man in here because of how you look and what you're doing and but are you because if the person right beside you who's a lot smaller than you is stronger than you and they are doing a lot less to signal doesn't make you less of a man you know that person is equally as strong and i think that like if we can get out if we can get that visual in our mind of think about that really jack guy at the gym who's doing too much like who's lifting like ego lifting and he's doing a lot to kind of fit that masculine thing the room is maybe perceiving that person as more masculine than you. You're right. Probably the perception society is probably looking at that guy and going, he's more of a man than you for sure. But you need to know deep down inside, I can lift more than this person. And I can do it with way more efficiency. And I don't need to signal to this whole entire audience that I am masculine. You are masculine in your own skin. It's just you're doing things correctly. And your longevity of the way you're lifting the weights and the muscles you're recruiting, you'll last longer. You will last so much longer. 
It's just the world right now is, you know, and men, we right now are struggling to see the power in the dude beside the guy that looks like the masculine guy. We're fighting for that guy. And that guy, lifting all of that, that consistently is going to lead to long-term damage. Right. Because, you know, even in the sense of even if you can't lift as much as, as that person or you can't lift more than them, like none of that really speaks to it. It's because it is about your longevity. And what I think is a beautiful representation you just said is how much stress is that other person adding to themselves? How much stress are they adding to their body that's not necessary? That is overexertion, like your knee, right? Like how likely are they to get an injury based on the way that they are operating, whether it is physical or mental or whatever? How likely are they to get an injury where on the other side of it, we're, what we're trying to represent is that um, if you're not lifting the 100 and you're lifting the 50, but you're lifting the 50 with intention, of I'm going to make sure that I prevent injury and that I am still building uh, muscle and getting stronger, right? Like you don't have to lift these incredibly heavy weights to do so. But at the same time too, like what's your intention, right? If your intention is to be like him, then go for it. Be like him. That's your intention. But what are you getting out of being like that person, right? Is Are you just consistently seeking to add the stress to gain approval, to gain worthiness? Because isn't that what we would do as an ego lift? If I lift three plates tomorrow with one, with one rep, all I'm really getting out of that, unless I'm a power lifter, is the ego boost that other people will praise me for being able to do that. But what did I just do to my body? Did I really even give it any anything? Probably not. I just did it for everybody else. So, and this is a battle I face too at the gym is lifting, you know, 40 versus 80 because my ego says lift 80. And my, my, aware self says no 80 is going to do you no good um because you are working towards that and you'll eventually maybe get there but you're not there yet and that's okay lift 40 when the guy lifting next to me is lifting 85 and i start to think mm, i don't feel like I'm, I'm as much of a man i'm not as strong as he is and therefore i'm less worthy it's a rabbit hole it's definitely a rabbit hole but it's in context of always, I think, what's your intention? What are you doing it for? And that's, I think, my biggest um, way of handling my stress. Uh, a lot of the times, the way of handling life is just what, what's my intention with what I'm doing here? That's the question I always ask myself. And then that gives me the opportunity to know, am I adding things on with the intention of having other people validate me? Am I going into this specific sector or buying this specific item of vehicle or house or whatever to appease other people? to please other people, or does it actually align with me? Because a lot of times stress comes from the unalignment of our decisions. It comes from externally seeking rather than internally seeking. If I want the nice car because I love nice cars and I think they're beautiful, that's great. But why do you love the nice car? Is it because other people give you all this praise for having the nice car? Because you actually like the nice car. Same thing with the house, same thing with the job, same thing with the partner, like all of these things factor in. So for me, what really helps me handle stress is, is my intention aligned with who I believe myself to be and not what I want others to believe to be true about me. And then if I make that decision, it feels less stressful. It doesn't, because it's aligned. Even if there's a challenge, it still feels aligned because this is who I am. This is what I do. So that's, I think for me to, to kind of work off of one you mentioned earlier about how you handle stress, that what I think is my biggest supporter is that question.
So to finish up this week's episode talking about stress management, uh, we're going to finish with our golden nugget. And we're a special, special golden nugget. I hear you're, you're great at these. We're still going to talk about them. We're going to keep them in the podcast. What is your biggest takeaway? I think that stress is such a powerful conversation. And there's so many facets. We didn't even really get into everything. We really talked about a lot today. And so I, I think the question really bodes is, what is your biggest takeaway that has maybe impacted you the most, either from this conversation or from your life? What is mm-hmm. What has stress given you as a takeaway so far at the ripe age of 30? I think even just like, you know, doing the, doing the work and, you know, going through the process of, you know, planning this episode and just, you know, going through the motions of uh, assessing, you know, how I felt about stress and how reading certain articles will, you know, bring different emotions for me now. I think the biggest takeaway to me was just the fact that the only reason why I'm better at dealing with stressful situations now is because I have a better understanding of who I am. Stress has never really changed. I just got more in control of what I'm in. And because I understand myself more, I'm understanding my, I'm understanding my stress triggers more. I'm understanding how to navigate those spaces better, my reaction, my response, you know, how I want to go about it. Um, and because I'm getting better at that, I feel less and less stressed by the environment and by my response. So when I was younger, I would act in a way that wasn't reflective of who I wanted to be in a stressful environment. And then now that would add more stress to the plate. You know, I maybe shouldn't have yelled at that person. I, I, that's, not, that's not how I wanted to deal with. I was stressed. I was angry. And then I lashed out. I got angry about the stress. And then now I'm not only the stress still there, but now my action to the stress is also doubled. Um, we're being older, it's, you know, let's not amplify the stress. Let's not, let's not have a reaction that gets, get, makes this more stressful. Let's have a um, proactive response to this signal that I'm being shown, you know? And I think that as I've gone older, um, I've done things like, you know, meditate, you know, and I'll offer, you know, I'll offer some of my, you know, rapid fire things that I think work for me. Meditating and body scans have been definitely ways for me to like assess like my stress level right now in this moment, you know, um, often on like a Monday when I work out, I don't work out a specific body part because I'm trying to figure out where my stress is in my body, what needs more work, what doesn't need more work. So I often like on a Monday or the first workout of the week, I will do a full body workout where I'm actually just trying to like move every single muscle to see if there is tension living somewhere. And that will lead me down a path of what I want to do for the rest of the week, you know, and those body scans and those mental scans are so much more important. Now it's not just run into the race anymore for me. It's, you know, take 10 minutes out of the day. What are you thinking about? Why are you thinking about that? You know, a visual that I love about meditation is this idea of like sitting by a riverbank and every thought you get to choose if you want to keep it or just like put it on a leaf and let it go, you know, let it go down the river and just let it slide, you know, and that process of tuning into that idea of I don't have to f- put fire to every single thought that I have. Some of them are not serving me. Getting rid of the ones that don't serve me lessens my stress, brings me back into a little bit more of a relaxed state. Physically, same thing. If I, if I physically am like, you know what? my upper body is in pain. This shoulder is hurting me this week. I'm going to give this shoulder an extra four days of recovery. I'm going to work out my lower body this week. You still moved the needle. You still were working out all week. You just rested the shoulder. You just didn't stress the shoulder out even more versus being macho about it and being like, 
it's okay. It kind of hurts, but I'm going to power through it. Four days of rest goes a long way for a body part or for a thought, you know? Um, so body scans and meditation are definitely a huge thing that I do to kind of manage the stress. And I know that I'm, the more times I do it, the better my stress is and it typically, um, and then, and then, and then last thing, just be patient with yourself. Like that's been one of the biggest things for me in terms of stress management is just being patient with myself. You know, often my stress comes from the, the gap between where I'm at and where I want to be. A lot of stress lives to, for me in that space. If you're, if you're, if you're carrying the 40, the guy beside you is at the 85. The reason why you might try the 80 is because you can't be patient enough to wait till you get to the 85. It's the only reason why you picked up that 80 is you're restless. Like you, you're just not patient, but honestly, before you even know it with consistency, you, you, you could be the person lifting the 85. And I think that like by deploying patience with myself and being more patient in life, I've, it's, it's really allowed me to tap into um, a certain level of stress management that's been empowering. Cause every time I come through a stressful situation, I'm just rational about, okay, well, it's your first day on the job. You're not your first, you learn, then you earn. That's the, that's the process. So if you're not making buttloads of money right now, that makes sense. You don't know anything. You shouldn't be, um, you know, and I, I just strongly believe things that come quick, leave quick, you know? So another reason why I'm just able to kind of embody patience is just like by being patient, it means I'm going to earn it the long way. And by earning it the long way, it's harder to get it away from me. I went through the process to get here. You can't take that away. This like, you can't take the muscle away. I can lift 80 pounds now. I went through it the right way. But if you just like happen to have a strong day and you lift 80, but that's not who you're at. That's not what you, that's not what you can do consistently. Then you just, that's, that's, that's fake news. Like you're not actually like that, you know? And sometimes it's harder to accept that process, the long journey. I know that, you know, we live in a world of instant gratification and stuff like that. And so delayed gratification is not a hot topic, but it's definitely allows me to manage that stress. And um, those are the things that have served me well in evolving as, as my stresses and my responsibilities grow. Love that. So much power in there. So much power, so much value. Um, and and to, for me, just to kind of tie, tie the loop, I think for me, just, just super simple is uh, stress is a signal. I think for me, stress is a signal. And at the end of the day, stress can lead to overwhelm if you allow it. And uh, I think that there are times in life where a very unexpected thing happens and it causes overwhelm hundred um, percent, but it will be much less overwhelming if you don't have a predisposed high level of stress walking into that unexpected turn. And so for me, recognizing where the stress is, why the stress is happening and actually taking action, you know, not take, not taking action is basically fuel for stress. It, it literally is the fuel for the car that is driving stress. And as soon as I can identify the stressor as whatever signal it's telling me, whether it is to, uh, you know, maybe not work this job anymore or to make a different decision. Like you said, instead of going uh, left all the time, go right. Or maybe it's something that I'm holding inside that I'm not expressing or telling someone that's bothering, whatever it is, there's a signal there and I need to do something with it. Not just see the signal and say, well, cool and just let a bunch of signals go off over and over and over again. And that is the journey. That's the work. And I catch myself all the time, just deflecting some of the signals and where I have found the most peace in my life is when I acknowledge and I actually do something with the signal. And a lot of times it's very microscopic. 
You know, something that our, um, my relationship currently practices is microscopic truths. If there's something that's there, it doesn't need to be necessarily addressed or dealt with, but it's the expression of, and how often do we bottle things up just because we don't want to say it or because we fear whatever the other side will think or whatever. There's so much to the microscopic aspect of our lives that we don't give credit for. So the microscopic signal, what does that look like? How does that serve you? And what is that telling you to do? And if it's causing resistance in your body, that's something to do something with. If you feel like there's something you want to say and you're not saying it, but you're feeling the resistance from it, that's something to do something with. It's not something to suppress and wait until it it passes because it does, but then it comes back because you said uh, the body keeps score. My body will keep score. The more I deflect these microscopic truths of whatever facet of life I'm currently involved in. So that's my biggest takeaway. To wrap up this week's episode, everyone, you know what time it is. It's CK with a PQ for you for next week's episode. And next week, the question is, how do you deal with conflict? What is your conflict resolution style? What does that look like for you? Do you handle it well? Is it a a struggle for you? I know for me, it's been a lifelong journey navigating how to deal with conflict, whether it's my relationship, friendship, work relationship, whatever it is, there's always some level of conflict. So we're going to talk about that next week. We'll see you then. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe, And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.